Hey, I'm Jessica Metcalf and this is The Dark Side of Dentistry, The Shit No One Talks About. I'm a life and business coach and a dentist to oncology patients. I teach high achievers, which is you, how to break through self-doubt, fear of failure, and overworking so dentistry and your life doesn't have to suck. In this episode, my guests and I really get into some emotional components around failing as a dentist or how we perceive our failures. We also talk about how the perception of dentistry isn't all what it's cracked up to be. And so being that high achiever and working as hard as you do and then maybe falling short to your own expectations can lead to an emotional roller coaster. So let me introduce you to Dr. Alan Stern. Here we go. Alan, thank you so much for being here with me today as one of my guests on the dark side of dentistry. And so before I get into really asking you some in-depth questions that we don't really like to talk about in dentistry, tell me a little bit about who you are. Oh, who am I? That's a great question. I've been trying to figure that out for a long time. (laughs) I am a, um, it's unbelievable where all the time went, Jess. Um, I'm a 40 year practicing dentist. Mm -hmm. I am originally from Queens, New York. I um, met my wife in college and we went to, we got married one week before our freshman year of dental school. I went to VCU in Richmond, Virginia. I did a general practice residency and I worked as an associate for a while, talk about the dark side. And I opened my own practice back in 1987. So I've been on my own for 34 years, practicing for 40. I live on the Jersey shore and um, my wife, Fran and I have been married, oh my God, 44 years. And we have two fantastic kids. Um, I have a a son, a daughter, a brand new son-in-law, and uh, life is good. Life is very, very good. I have um, learned a lot in my 40 years, Jess. And from those lessons, some many of them that were very painful, I have emerged. And it's the name of my company now. I have emerged better, richer, and stronger because of my experience, because of the dark things that happened to me. And oh my God, I am now, I'm proud to tell you, Uh, that I declare, I have a good friend who's a a geriatric social worker. I am proud to declare that I am 68 years old and I am just getting started. So. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, Uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. That is a great CV. And one of the things that now I want to start to get into is kind of all of that in between stuff because when we think about getting to our destination we think it's a straight line but realistically it's this like bunch of squiggles and like backtracks and maybe some erased marks on it as well and so when we show our cv it's all the polished stuff that's on there so if you don't mind sharing some of those darker things that happen kind of in between what sure you just shared and what you talked about sure and you know what you just described jess is what we in dentistry call normal. Mm. It's never a linear progression. um, You're you're in Western Canada, I'm in New Jersey, I'm a big baseball fan. So how many times have Derek Jeter, Aaron Judge, some of our favorite baseball players struck out? How many 
three-point goals had Michael Jordan missed in his illustrious career. So this is all normal. And I think we have to put that in perspective. All that said, I'll tell you a little, I'll be very open about myself because my weaknesses are my strengths and my adversity is my triumph. And I, I hope and pray, and it is my absolute calling, and you'll see why, that all of us here in the dark side of dentistry, the Dental Avengers, and all those beautiful movements that we have, we understand that things are surmountable. And we are intrinsically strong if we admit it, and if we, if we admit that we have an issue and go and seek help when we do. Jessica, I am the son of a Holocaust survivor. My mother was born in Hungary and was separated from her parents in her teens, having been offloaded off of a cattle car and was pushed in one direction, her parents in the other, she lived, they died. And from that point, she saw things that PTSD doesn't even touch. The demons that my mother lived with all of her life, I, I just cannot imagine, but I witnessed them. And there's a syndrome that children of Holocaust survivors get. It is just passed down psychologically. It has to do with self-esteem. It has to do with struggle for survival. It has to do with what mom told us. She told us that Jewish people were put in this world to suffer. How is she going to think otherwise? But that's how my brother and I were inculcated. And adding to that, uh, and I'm a little more open about this than I had been. My father is still alive, but I will tell you that he was not the nicest guy in the world. And the emotional abuse, the verbal violence that I endured through my childhood predisposed me for a lot of stuff, a lot of dark stuff that happened. In fact, how I, and one, one point I'd like to make to you, and thank you, I can see you're empathizing. I so appreciate it. But I'll tell you, that I have been married to my wife for 44 years after growing up in an abusive household. Now, my wife's got nothing to complain about because she got five good years out of this whole thing, right? <laughs> and we've raised two fantastic children and I've triumphed over the darkness. And that darkness inside of me, now we go to dental school, right? So through my whole life, I beat myself up. It wasn't, wasn't number one in my high school class. Top 10%, 90% 90, 90 average, and I was not in the top 10% of high school. Bam, beat myself up, right? Because my upbringing showed that I had zero self-efficacy. College, bam, Ma uh, magna cum laude, not good enough, I wasn't at the top. Dental school, that's easy. They beat you up for it for you, right? I didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> so we have this, and you and I have talked about this, and we talk about it a lot this perfection syndrome, the comparison syndrome. And all of a sudden you're looking over your shoulder, right? And you see people doing things you think are better than you are. So I get out of school and how in the world I got through it, I don't know. I'm blessed and I had a great wife, brand new wife who just put up with all of my nonsense uh, for those years. And she supported me and really pushed me to be my best self. I get through dental school and I work as an associate for five years for a guy who um, just, I don't want to go too far just for yeah. legal reasons, but not the greatest experience in the world. Okay. And I really believed that I couldn't make it. I, I finally got pushed hard enough that after my son was born, I was given a contract to sign that, that 
just was stupid, mm -hmm. I decided to open my own practice in 1987. Never, just because I had to try, I had no idea what was gonna happen, but some amazing things happened. I made mistakes. I worked as an associate part-time in my office, full-time, part-time, six days, three nights. Okay. And it was hard. I lived in a small house in a very unpretentious neighborhood. And after, and I, I had a little life, a nice little existence. But of course, Jessica, I looked over my shoulder and I saw the guys living in the McMansions and I saw the guys driving the Porsches. Right. And what did I think? Man, I'm just like a little guy, right? And all the big boys are doing all these things. So in 2001, I decided to buy a big house because all the big boys lived in big houses, right? Yeah. Yep. And if you remember a little event that happened in September of 2001, right after I leveraged myself to, to own the house, yeah. um, that was a stomach shaker. But we plotted on. And a number of years later, the bubble started to burst. The economic bubble started to burst. And at the same time, my landlord's wife, who got our building at, in a divorce settlement, forced me to buy my office oh my god so here i am leveraged on the house yeah i gotta buy the office and i'm working with several different uh, advisors coaches agencies who work with the big boys right i hired all the big boy agencies and advisors and where did that all leave me mortgaged up to my nose heavily in debt all these advisors left me about $200,000 in additional debt with no increase in income to pay for it. And oh my, my wife and I are living paycheck to paycheck in our 50s. That's misery. But you know something, Jess? Mm -hmm. I don't know how much you've experienced this in your career or in your life. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. So Alan, you talk about that time in your 50s and you had mentioned prior to that where you started comparing yourself to individuals who had the cars and the house and stuff. And what happened at that point in your 50s when you're realizing either had that oh shit moment or- Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're unleashing the language, are we? Right, yeah, totally, totally. I'm from New Jersey, man, look out. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> oh man so Fran my, my wife and I are in our lovely home and we're living paycheck to paycheck and it's a state of misery that unfortunately too many of us know now I coined the term for this Jess I don't know if you know know this or not but I coined the term I invented the disease that I suffered from and that's called PMD have I ever talked to you about that no Tell me PM, more. Well, we treat TMD in our practices, right? Yep. PMD, perpetually miserable dentist. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> you know a few of them, Jess? <laughs> because I, I, I thought I was the only one, but I, I, I wasn't. Yeah. And we get mired in this stuff. We get mired in, look at the beautiful home that Dr. Metcalf lives in. Look at that fantastic car that she's driving. and. I heard that Dr. Metcalf restores 10 implants an hour 
mm. on a four-day work week and sees 500 patients mm -hmm. and every weekend she's in a different resort city is that unbelievable and look at me what am i and i started feeling that sinking feeling and now thank god i was never clinically depressed mm -hmm. i was never suicidal but I just came home and looked in the mirror and saw this underachieving, mediocre thing in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it. And going into the office on a daily basis, knowing there's a big freaking note that I have to pay several times a month, thinking, how in the hell am I going to pay this? It Financial pressure leads you to misery. Mm. We've seen, um, I've done presentations on suicide, Jess, because we've seen too many here. I've done research yeah. project on it. Yeah. And financial stuff leads some of our colleagues down that awful path. And I knew that I felt like crap. And we finally found, um, I, I don't know how it happens, Jess, but a good friend of mine from Panky, Frank Graciano is a great dentist, good friend. He says, call my buddy. Um, may I mention the name of my financial advisor? Would that be okay? Of course, please. Uh, well, yeah, I, I went from one financial advisor to uh, Jim DiNardo in New York City. Jim is old enough to be my son. <laughs> my, I remember my wife and I going to see this guy. And Frank, Frank's a great dentist and a highly accomplished guy and very credible guy. Yeah. How in the hell is this kid going to tell me who's old enough to be his father how to live? And throughout, he earned our trust. He was very um, sincere and knowledgeable. And we reached a point that he said, hey, Alan, you don't need the schools in your town anymore. Why don't you just sell the house, move to a townhouse? Say, what? Me, the 30 year practitioner at the time? Right. Panky, Panky student, Panky alum. I got to move into a crummy little townhouse. And Jim said, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? And we crunched the numbers. I sold that house and Jess, I got to tell you, I cried for weeks driving to work. I drove past the old house. I cried. Oh geez, yeah. Weeks and weeks and weeks, but something happened because all of a sudden we unleveraged ourselves. We got our debt load down a manageable degree. And I looked at Fran uh, later that that uh, fall and I said do we have enough money to go to Vegas we love going to Vegas that's our happy place yeah she goes yeah and I said uh, you know we, we got to get in shape here can we hire nutritionists and personal trainers she said yeah we got money for that lo and behold life turned around mm. and when a person came in and and told us the three magic words or the four magic words you know how a patient tells a dentist to buzz off right I'll think about it so <laughs> So before, when they said those magic words, they might as well, you know, begin with F words, but they, I'll think about it as basically that. It didn't matter as much. It mattered, but not as much. The fate of the free world as I knew it didn't hang on case acceptance. Right. So we lightened up. Cash flow got better. We're having fun. And that dark moment, that financial rock bottom that I hit in my 50s, turned into one of the greatest triumphs of my life. I am proud to tell you, and every one of you folks listening out there, listen to me. 
and listen good. In my 50s, I envisioned my retirement, little embellished, but living in the dumpster behind my office, getting up, dusting myself off, spinning some toothbutt dust and going back in to, to sleep. I'm telling you now that at age 68, Jim DiNardo advised me that if I want to, I can guess what? I can retire. Oh, congratulations. I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm just getting started. This new thing I'm doing is a calling. Yeah. And we could get into that in a little while. Mm -hmm. But what I want to tell every one of you wonderful creatures of God is that you are capable that the dark moments are convertible with, sometimes with help. I had help with one of the most famous therapists in the world that I was blessed to know, Dr. Arnold Lazarus. I owe that man my life. Unfortunately, he passed away and I, he's not around for me to thank. Uh, my peak performance coach, Dr. Dana Ackley of Roanoke, Virginia, and a whole batch of other coaches, mentors, guiding lights. You can do it. It was dark, Jess. It was really dark inside of me. Now, holy smoke, I did it. Low self-esteem, low self-efficacy. I was a panky student, but I never hit that clinical pinnacle. I'm a good dentist, but I never hit. So of course I compared myself and I thought so poorly of myself. You can do it. You can do it if you practice who you are. First off, thank you so much for sharing that because I think the perfect um, story that you shared there was when you do start to compare yourself to others, right? And it's so easy to see, and especially with social media now, it's yeah. so easy to see the perfect car that someone picked up or the perfect house or the perfect wedding or the perfect vacation and perfect dentistry and all of that stuff and you can get really stuck in this trap of consistently comparing yourself and why can't i be that person who has those things too and what i appreciate with what you said is is that you reached out for help and I think as dentists, being the high achiever, being the perfectionist, always kind of striving for that next goal, it's really hard to ask for help. So that's one of the questions that I want to ask you is, what point amidst the dark were you in that you recognized, I can't keep doing this on my own and it's time for me to ask for help? I think um, I was going to work miserable every day. And I'm looking at my wife and I'm seeing myself as an entirely inadequate husband that I couldn't provide adequately. And my kids, I didn't see myself as a role model. And that was actually quite false, but it was the backstory that I told myself. And when I, when I realized that I couldn't get out of this mental quagmire, I was in this wormhole that I slipped into. Mm -hmm. I, through a network of friends, I found Dr. Lazarus. And by the way, I went about 40, mile, 40, 45 miles outside of my area because I didn't want anybody else knowing. Okay. If I had to do it again today, I, I wouldn't care. I'd tell the whole world that I was uh, working with Arnold um, because, you know, I've had many injuries. I have herniated discs. I have torn rotator cuffs. 
There's no shame in going for, to the chiropractor or the physical therapist if you can't move your shoulder or if you're, you're in pain walking. And I rehab those injuries with them. Why couldn't I rehab a bruised brain? You know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, my friend, the late Andrea Bierman, who took her own life at age 34, one of the most brilliant, accomplished young dentists I'd ever had the joy of knowing, she could have torn my mouth apart and put it back together again with one eye open in the depths of her despair. This has nothing to do with your, your competency as a human being. It has nothing to do with your worthiness of love and respect. It has to do with doing everything you can to make your life good. One of the things I say, Jess, as we, uh, in my talks, one of my famous Alanisms, right, is we are endowed in this country with three unalienable rights, and you know what they are. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of a Tesla. No, 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 wait a minute, that's not it. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of a big house. No, no, no. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you don't have happiness, it don't matter how much money you're making. Some of the wealthiest people have gone off the deep end. So, you know, what Dr. Lazarus taught me to do was to compare all my trials and tribulations to the worst things that can possibly happen. And you know, your practice isn't making enough money. Well, compare that to God forbid losing a child. I compartmentalize things into business disasters and personal disasters and calibrated them zero to 100. And I wasn't making enough money as Dr. X, or as I thought Dr. X down the street was doing. Right, right. And so I compared that. And what I was taught to do was, what is a business 100 disaster? Well, wife's leaving, credit card debt over my head, IRS at the door and the mortgage banker at the door with a foreclosure notice and all of my team walking out on me. <laughs> Not even close. And then, you know, when I told them my life is crap, compare it to the loss of a child. Not even close. God forbid. And th those folks, if anybody listening has gone through that, my heart and soul are with you. Many of my friends have gone through that. But let's take that dark and number one, put it in perspective. We are dentists, Jess. We can do things that most people in the world can't imagine doing. And I don't give a, I can say give a damn if you could say those other words. <laughs> I don't give a damn what you're earning. You're earning more than most people in the world can imagine earning. Even with the ridiculous student debt that's out there today. We're doing fine. Put it in perspective, get help to put it in perspective. And, and you know, you talked a minute ago, Jess, about um, seeing all this great stuff on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And um, I will not, I refuse to allow my problems to define me. I've got them. Alanism, uh, did I say show me a person without stress and I'll show you a cadaver? No. That's, no. that's another Alanism. Yeah. If you think I'm not dealing with problems right now, you're delusional. I got plenty of them, but I will not air them 
to people where it's not their concern. Mm -hmm. I will air my best self, my best imperfect self, and I'm free to talk about what I've conquered. I'm glad to do it. But Jess, I'll be damned if I allow that to define me. That I've is, come through it. I made it through the rain. Yeah, that is that is so powerful. And it the strength that comes from not just experiencing it, but then asking for help and then sharing it empowers then others, regardless of the stage of life that they're in or stage of their career that I that they're in, which brings me to generational questions because there's always this term that comes around right now where well this generation of dentists just don't want to work or they can't tough it out anymore and so I want to get your thoughts on what tough it out actually means and is that something that is in existence anymore or that we should be trying to do what do you think about that well uh, this generation, a very interesting question. I'll just digress for one moment. I'm listening to a great audiobook in the car now called The Millennial Whisperer. Okay, I've heard by it. A guy named Chris Tuff. You know, you know the book? I know the book. It's on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th this astonished me because I'm a, I'm a baby boomer, right? And um, uh, my dental assistant is a millennial. Mm -hmm. And man, I can't, I can't figure these people out. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are millennials though so i i think millennials this generation dennis i think you all have wonderful potential in you mm -hmm. and tough it out i think this generation dennis grew up differently than i did mm. and i grew up differently than the greatest generation did and so the challenges that quote unquote this generation the younger generation dennis grew up dealing with is much different than I grew up with. Right. 9-11 hits and they're growing up and their security, ju just their sense of physical safety is sucked out from under them. The Great Recession hits and all of a sudden their material security, mommy and daddy's material security is, is sucked out from under them. So I understand now having listening to this book that there's a little bit of different orientation. Mm -hmm. But there's some universals here, Jess, that um, I think the millennial and the Gen X status need to be aware of. And, you know, I made the facetious point before, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. I think what you all need to realize is that what makes you happy is what makes you happy. Mm, yes. <laughs> Not what makes the other guy happy. Yep. Not not what anybody expects you mm -hmm. to have. So uh, my my dear uh, co-learner, my big sister, my guiding light, Mary Osborne, uh, taught us that expectations are disappointments waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. So I would propose a different way of thinking here. What makes you happy? What do you love to do in dentistry? Mm -hmm. What do you despise? Do it. Do the first one. Don't do the second one. Yeah. I hate endo. It stresses me out. Mm -hmm. I don't have the temperament to do oral surgery. And I love I love children, but not in my operatory. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't do oral surgery. I don't do endo. I don't do 
Peter, what do I do for a living? What the hell do I, I don't know. I, I, don't know how I, I don't know how I've gotten this far. How can I retire if I don't do any of that? But this is what I truly appreciate so much is the fact that you can, as a general dentist, have this opportunity to really figure out what you do and don't like in dentistry and then hone that. And that then allows you to go in to work looking forward to it instead of absolutely dreading it. And for anyone within dentistry at this point, if they feel like they're stuck or they feel like they have to complete that procedure, they don't have to do it if they don't want to, if they don't enjoy it. And so now it's trying to curate dentistry that you do want to wake up and go do in the morning. Yes. Uh, next, Alanism. If you do it that way, Monday morning doesn't have to suck. Yeah. I, look, yeah. there there will be difficult cases. I had something, I had an awful thing, uh, awful procedure go sideways on, uh, yesterday. Okay. It's going to happen. Yes. And I tell you what, I lost a little sleep over it. I had to coach myself off the, off the ledge last night. Yeah. But know that it's going to happen because life's not perfect. Get over it. Um, your relationships with the people you serve will make an enormous difference. Cultivate relationships, because you know what? Brene Brown talks about um, man having an uh, irreducible need for love and belonging. Mm -hmm. Think about this one for a second. Think about all of the sites that you and I visit on an all too frequent basis when should we should be doing other things. <laughs> Think about all of the technical stuff, all the money stuff, the investment stuff, the, um, oh, you're, you're PPO, I'm FFS, you're no good, I'm good. You know, all that crap, mm -hmm. that mental litter that's being thrown around. What if you just go into the office and pursue relationships with people, hire people? Now, I know this job market is tight, mm -hmm. but I've got people in my office that I love and that I've learned to love. I sleep with one of them. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <Brown>. <laughs> My wife and I have opened that office from the ground up and we've been working together for 32 of the 34 years that we're there. Yeah. Um, but we have an atmosphere in my office of love. It's a culture of love. Mm. And uh, a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine taught me this, Mike McDevitt, who's a, just retired as a periodontist down in Atlanta. And I was talking to Mike last summer and he said something that rang true to me. He said, Alan, you know, when they ask me how many patients I have, and I say this to my patients now, I don't have very many patients in my office. I have friends. I have a sign over the reception area that says, enter as strangers, leave, it, leave as friends. And by the way, any of you listening to this, if that rings with you, please feel free to take that and put, put a, note, a sign like that in your office. I want to get to know people. Mm -hmm. I want the joy of being part of these people's lives, being the guy who could do for them things that, that nobody else can do, being the guy that they lie down in the chair, open up their mouths and allow me to stick my stupid instruments and my fingers in to, to make their life better. Mm -hmm. I want the joy of knowing that not only am, am I that guy, but the people around me are those people. Mm -hmm. So that's the joy in it. If 
If you buy into the fact that we as human beings have an irreducible need for love and belonging, even if you're an employee dentist, even if you're the hygienist, the assistant or the administrator, why can't your little operatory or your little domain be your own little fiefdom of deep loving care and kindness toward others? What's stopping you from doing that? There's no insurance company that says you can't love your patients mm -hmm. if you're a PPO. You can express love to them in so many different ways. Even in a pressed schedule, you can just take a moment, put a soft touch on their shoulder, address them by name. Mm -hmm. Take a second to listen to what's on their minds. You never know what you're gonna learn. That'll make you a better doctor. You are a doctor. Don't be a repair man or woman. Doctor them. Be a healer. Be a loving, kind human being. Be to others what you want others to be to you. And it'll change your life. Perfect? No. Works 100% perfectly 100% of the time? Absolutely not. <laughs> right. But no, you're going to screw it up. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to get the wrong patient in your chair. Sometimes you might even hire the wrong person. But if you make a mistake from a for coming from a place of kindness, mm -hmm. how can you fault yourself, even if you get slapped in the face? Okay, there are two things there that I want to address. The one being that you shared saying that yesterday's procedure didn't go as well and you had to coach yourself. And so I want to ask about that because a lot of people share that they have anxiousness the night before, so they can't look at their schedules or what keeps them up on a Sunday night. Do you mm -hmm. mind sharing how you coached yourself through that moment? And then I'm going to add, ask a part two to that question. Thanks for that question. That's a really important one. And I've learned a couple of techniques. One of them is asking myself, where are you going to be five years from now? Okay. And how is this going to impact you? I ask myself, how am I going to correct this problem? Of course, because it's about the other person. So uh, sometimes I race through my mind as to, and sometimes it takes me 24 hours to process how I'm going to fix it. More often than not, when something goes sideways, you can fix it right then and there. But there are problems that you have to think through. I aborted the procedure. I provisionalized it. And I told the gentleman that um, this has been very difficult. Let me go back and review this. And I'm even gonna discuss this with our favorite specialist because I need a second set of eyes on this. I took some photographs and, um, and the guy really appreciated it. Mm -hmm. It's fixable. Right. So that, those are two things I do right away. Um, how is this gonna impact me five, my life five years from now? And I know where I'm gonna be five years from now and that gives me peace. Let's see how we can fix it, because just about everything is fixable. Other things that I do is I breathe. I've done not an, I want to do more mindfulness and meditation, but sometimes even sitting in a stress situation, I'll breathe and I'll pay attention to nothing else except the air going into my nose that I feel it there and pushing my belly out and going in reverse. There's a calming effect to that, to breathing. And that works for me. The next thing I do, really cool technique. Uh, have you read uh, Presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E by Amy Cuddy? I haven't. Put that on your list. Okay. 
Presence by Amy Cuddy. Amy Cuddy talks about body language um, and how it impacts others, but it also also how it impacts you. My daughter um, was a two-time All-American softball player. I'm not bragging or anything. She also had every offensive statistic on her um, on her national championship junior college team, but I'm not bragging. <laughs> you uh, should. That's bragging. You should brag. Not at all. Not at all. I'm just it. stating. I'm just stating a fact, Jess. Oh, but you still, you should be proud. I love that. I love I'm that. I'm not Thank bragging. Sharing, I'm Jess. very proud of my daughter, but she was also a gymnast and she is now a gymnastics coach. And have you ever watched gymnastics on TV? Mm-hmm. I have. And so most of us listening have at least seen it. What do the gymnasts, what do the competitors do before and after they do their thing? We're, we're on audio now, but they stand straight. Mm-hmm. They tilt their head back. They put a smile on their face and they shoot their arms straight up in the air. Yep. All right. I would like you all listening, ladies and gentlemen, when either, you know, you're at home, right? You can do whatever you want. I wouldn't do this in a public place. If you're listening to this, you know, on your phone in a shopping mall, don't do this. But (laughs) I want you to stand up straight and get your head in a nice erect posture aligned with your shoulders, not not slouched forward in dental, dental posture. Smile and raise your arms. And even better, do it in front of a mirror. Watch what happens, watch the feeling that waves through your body. Now, I will confess to you, provided that you all in the audience don't tell people this, all right, this is a secret. We can't tell anybody this. But I've had, um, let's call it uh, Mr. McNasty was coming into my office. Yeah. And my assistant brought Mr. McNasty into the chair. And I knew I was in for a pile of you know what. Yeah. Now, this is the part you're not telling anybody. Okay. I went into my bathroom. I closed the door. I did exactly what I described. Yeah. And I walked out and I was able to deal with Mr. McNasty very successfully. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I projected to myself an aura of happiness and confidence. Yes. Those gymnasts, when they do that before their routines, they project to the audience here I am, world. Look at me. And it, it it ripples through their psyche and their bodies. And at the end, they do exactly the same thing, no matter how badly they may screw up, or if they score a 9.9 out of 10, they will do the same thing. Why? Here I am, folks. Hey, man, I did it. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. So try that body language exercise. It works. It sounds silly. No, it's not. It's not silly because there's research that shows with power poses when you hold them, similar to that of the Superman pose. Yeah. It it instantly starts to change your frame of mind and gives you that confidence. And I think the research said that you should hold it anywhere from two to five minutes to be able to actually start to feel it and believe it. Well, so. I'm too compulsive and too impatient to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dentist, Jess. Come on. <laughs> but do you know what I appreciate? As soon as you said and painted that image, I could picture me 
doing the exact same thing in clinic, in my office, getting ready to go into that difficult procedure. And instantaneously, I can automatically already feel that shift in my body where I'm like, I'm gonna show up so differently already. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that. I'm gonna That's ask right. part two to the question now, because yes. that ended up leading into you mentioning negative self-talk. And so the question comes into, how do you create self-awareness around negative self-talk? That is much easier said than done, Jess. Mm. Because if you go back to the way I was raised, I am wired for that. Mm -hmm. And many of us are wired for it. I speak to lots of dentists. I work with lots of dentists. We all have it. To one degree or another, we all have it. My upbringing was a tremendous disadvantage. We have it also, even those of us who didn't face the depth of things that I faced. Remember, we're wired with fight or flight, fight, fight or freeze. So when we see something different that's threatening, we automatically go into negative talk of some kind, avoidance talk. And again, many of us are wired with, let's beat ourselves up because we're not just like Dr. Perfect down the street. What I try to do with that, and it's hard, I practice it like I practice dentistry. You know, this is an art that needs refinement all the time in all of us. But I know in my soul that I'm coming from a good place. I know that I'm not perfect and I screw up every now and then in dentistry and in life, but I know in my heart that I am coming from a place of good intent and that anything I do is with that intent in mind. That helps a lot. Sometimes I have to detach myself and look at myself from afar and say, look at that jerk. What's he doing now? Look at him go. (laughs) All right, let's let it pass. Let's sit back. Come on. Come on, Alan, just sit back. Okay, you're saying that. You're talking crap about yourself again. All right, what's going to be this time? Two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. All right, come on, keep going, keep going. Are you done, Alan? Okay, let's go back. I have a very, very off-color analogy. I'm not going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) But emotions are transient in nature. Mm -hmm. Any of this negativity, if we look at it properly, is transient. It passes. Mm -hmm. So just like you need to be or you want to be with your patients or your children or your spouse or your friends, be patient with yourself. Allow yourself a little bit of grace. Mm -hmm. You're not perfect. Get over it. Your thoughts are not perfect. Get over it. Sometimes you just got to accept that they're there, let it pass, know in your soul that you're coming from a good place and take your faulted, flawed, beautiful self on forward. That that's, and it sounds simple. That is not simple. Mm -hmm. And that does require for many people, myself included 20 years ago or so a therapist to help me do that. Mm -hmm. So if you can't do it, if it's overwhelming you, Just like if you twist your ankle, 
you go see a physical therapist, you tear your rotator cuff like this idiot did, lifting weights with bad form. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, you see a physical therapist to fix it. So get a brain therapist or a, a psyche or a psycho, a psyche therapist or a think therapist to just straighten you out and put you back into proper form again. Know that you're coming from a good place. Know that fight, fight or flee or freeze at best and some deep dark demons from your past at worst and many of us have them will come back and the demon will come out of the box every now and then let him play okay a couple of minutes all right you're done okay i'm i'm a good guy i'm a good lady yeah ah, let's go life liberty and the pursuit of happiness onward we go it's so hard at times when you're stuck in that cyclical mindset where you it's just on repeat. It's like a record, a broken record, essentially, where it's so easy to just slip back into speaking negatively to yourself. And especially, like you said, when you've been programmed from such a young age, that it's so conditioned at that point. And so it's very easy to go there. But yeah. and, and, you know, the other thing, Jess, unfortunately, what happens is you get that burst of cortisol. Mm and it will send a cascade of, yeah. of, of negative energy yep. that unfortunately in physical biochemical reality has to pass also. Right, right. So understand that I understand what happened to me last night mm -hmm. and I'm back to, you know, good old Alan. Okay, all right, cortisol, <laughs> you get out of here. I gotta yeah. go to the bathroom, get the cortisol out <laughs> and, and carry on. Yeah. You know, just. I, I'll repeat a little bit. Somebody, a friend of mine, um, my friend John Blumberg, who teaches integrity, says repetition. Repetition is not necessarily redundancy. Good person, deep breath, carry on. Don't let it define you. Yeah. Let it challenge you. Let it challenge you and bring it, baby. Mm. Bring your best game to that challenge. I like that because when even just changing words from just get through it to working through it to mm -hmm. from a problem to a challenge to then even an opportunity and if we can just view things differently think differently then the dark side doesn't have to be so dark either no right? and where what just where's the evidence um that's another great one where's the evidence so i'm looking at you i'm looking and by the way, I didn't congratulate you on winning the speaking competition at the thank Dental you. Festival when we were together. Yeah. Um, you're amazing. Oh, thank you're wonderful. you. You're fantastic. <laughs> I want to adopt you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. But, you know, you've got your dark stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the evidence that that's your definition? Yeah. It ain't there, as we say in New Jersey. <laughs> Where's the evidence that I am incapable, worthless, mm -hmm. um, and unlovable? Yeah. There ain't none. So if you right there. Yeah, that, that's my wife tells me that all the time. I'm used to that. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now and how you're helping the dental community. I am loving what I'm doing. You know, uh, 
we so often we're in those dark moments and we don't even realize that they're shaping us mm -hmm. and they're setting us up to do things that we're put on this earth to do. I've spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of dentists. I'm friends with some of the most outstanding ladies and gentlemen who have graced this profession and this earth. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're carrying stuff. And I'm friends with a lot of dentists that you'll never meet. And I know that they're carrying stuff just like me. And I know that I've overcome it. I've made it through the rain. And I'm just about at a point where Fran and I, my wife, can kick back and say, we're there and we're gonna have fun. And we are having fun, by the way. Even when we're working, we're having fun. Good, good. <laughs> and I know that having been through all of the crap that I've been through, imposed by others and imposed by myself, that I am here to cure pain. I am here to show people that dentistry can be a happy profession, not industry. Don't you ever call me a provider in an industry. I will get violent. <laughs> we're practitioners of a profession. We're practitioners because we're better every day. We're a profession because we do the right thing. Okay. I am here to show people that no matter where you are on the clinical, financial, or philosophical food chain of dentistry, that a happy life is here for you. It's there, it's inside of you. Don't try to practice like Jessica. Don't try to practice like Ellen. Uh, don't try to practice like our friend Laura, because she's not practicing, but that's a whole nother story. Right? <laughs> He's in referencing to Dr. Laura Brenner, who will be on the show soon as well. She is the gloat. She is the greatest Laura of all time. But find, find your sweet spot. Mm -hmm. I can help you do that. Because if you lead with love, you start with yourself and you direct yourself outward. And if you build a support team around you to carry your mission, carry your vision, and all of you get on the same side of the box and push it and translate that to your patients, you've got a good practice and a good life. And from that point, it's upward. You can do it. You can, I did it. I'm not the greatest prosthodontist to, to walk the face of the earth. So I'm not the greatest endodontist, periodontist. I don't do endo, I don't do perio. Um, but I'm a very good dentist. And I'm, I'm just better today than I was yesterday. And I'll be better tomorrow. That's all you have to do. Treat yourself with loving kindness and it'll spread. It'll take you into a good life. Dentistry offers you that opportunity. It offers you so much choice so much power to do stuff and so much ability that if you focus properly you're going to do it oh i like that so much alan it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the dark side of dentistry if people were trying to find you where would they look and how can they get in contact with you i the best way i invite all of you to please join my facebook group better richer stronger 
Uh, I, ha I write every week. I have a daily motivational post, but I have a Sunday reflection every week on stuff that's on my mind. Uh, my website is betterrichestronger.com. And I would love to meet you. I will, I will sit down with anybody for a half hour and I won't want any money from you. I won't try to sell you anything. I'll just listen, see if I could open your eyes to something. I am at my dream come true. I am 68 years old. Welcome to my dream come true. And what I want to do is welcome you to yours. I love guys. Thanks. All of your stuff will be tagged down below. So please reach out to Alan. Alan is a wonderful human being and I can't wait for so many more things that are going to be happening in your future. And thank you for letting me be a part of now your dream and sharing it with others as well. Thank you. It's an honor and privilege to come to a point where I could, I could be sitting with you and we can be talking about the vulnerabilities that made us great. Yes. Yes. All about the vulnerabilities. Yeah. Okay. Until next time. Thanks again, Alan. Thank you, Jess. I take a deep, heavy sigh because the vulnerability in this episode was immense. I am grateful to Alan to be able to share not just how he made changes, but how he felt during that time as well. It takes a strong person to be able to share their own experiences so that others can learn from them. And that's what I hope you took away from today. I hope you took little golden nuggets from Dr. Alan Stern and how to apply them to your life and know if you are experiencing challenging times in your own life, that you're not alone and that there's others out there who want to be able to support you. So thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast know that you are not alone. You have all the capability in the world to make changes to then be living the life you've always dreamed of. Continue to challenge yourself and I will still be here to nudge and support you as you move out of your comfort zone. It's time to think differently and change your narrative. I'm Jessica Metcalf, and this is The Dark Side of Dentistry, the shit no one talks about. Stay awesome.